Hey everyone, we have been having some conversations about wisdom and some of the pitfalls that Christians fall into when it comes to sensing God's will and knowing God's will for our lives and our engagement with the world, with culture, with politics, and all of that stuff. And today, uh, we are continuing that conversation. Now, we've already talked about theology, how important theology is to to knowing God's will. We talked about tribalism and, and the hang-up that that can be. And then we talked about bad faith discovery last time. Those are all good things to go back and listen to if you haven't already. Today, we're talking about something else, um, and we call it the influence racket. Yeah, and we talk about the influence racket. I think today, more than ever, I mean, it, it's always been a thing, right? But today, because there are so many influencers out there, and we have access to so many different people producing content that we have to pick who we're listening to and who we're following, who we're giving influence in our lives, this question is super important. And we're calling it the influence racket um, because there's, um, there is kind of this approach to gaining influence that doesn't have anything to do with telling the truth and not to say that everybody who has influence is not telling the truth and all of that stuff. Um, but if you're thinking about starting a whatever, even just like creating your own social media platform, becoming an Instagram influencer, if you, if you're thinking about how to start that, you're thinking, how can I say something really quick and catchy that a, a segment of people will latch onto and, and really believe. And before long, you can gain a huge following and all you're doing is really telling people what they want to hear. Um, so thinking of it from their perspective, like it can, it can kind of seem like an influence racket, right? Yeah. And it, this, that's not to say that anybody can do it. There's certain things like, uh, coolness looks, you know, um, being a smooth talker, being funny. Like there are certain things that lend themselves to it more than others. Um, we're not saying that either of us could have way more influence if we just wanted to, but we're just too good at people. You know, if, if, if one of us was to hire like a life coach today to tell us like, here's how you become an Instagram influencer or whatever. Uh, the first thing they would tell me is don't try, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> it's not for you, but, Gosh. but if they were going to coach me through that, one of the things that they would say is like, Hey, avoid these things in these ways or go all in on these things in these ways, avoid nuance, avoid complicated topics, avoid, you know, like make it simple. Uh, you know, th there would be ways that they would coach me towards things that, that wouldn't necessarily be the truth. Right. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, whether you're, and it's that, I mean, that's just not about Instagram, whether you're trying to sell hair products on Instagram or gold on AM radio, it doesn't, really matter. The point is you're building an audience so that you can sell ads. It's about making, turning a crowd into money. Mm -hmm. You think about Jesus, when he drew a crowd, he never did anything like that. He, he didn't, um, he didn't tell people what they wanted to hear. When he drew a crowd, he did the opposite. He would, he would thin it out by telling them things that they either didn't fully understand or that were hard to hear. And then the people who were really there to follow him would stick around, right? He never, um, he never took advantage of that. He never tried to leverage his ability to, and Jesus was a person who could have created a really big following. There were people at different times who were following him in large numbers. Um, but that wasn't what he was seeking. And when that happened, he would, um, he would do something different and it would thin out. Um, but what we're talking about today is the fact that there are these influencers who exist and that they influence us. They influence all of us um, in some way that everyone has somebody who's influencing their life, basically someone that has, we've given, I would say a, a level of undue influence in our life. Um, 
for a certain reason. I, I already mentioned aesthetics and looks, there, but there's other things uh, that we could be looking for there as well. Especially in the church, this happens, and this is where this is where I see it the most or pay most close attention to it. Um, just the influence that uh, certain good-looking people have, their coolness factor, power. We, we tend to think of power in the church as just like creating a big church. Like they have a huge influence already, and so I tend to trust them more because they have that huge influence and because they built a huge church. Um, one of the first questions people will say about their church is usually how big their church is or how many people attend there as to say, like, look at the effectiveness or look at, look at how good our church is doing. So we must be doing something right because it's big. Now, the millennial generation and younger, they tend to look at that and think, uh-oh, <laughs> they might be doing something wrong, whereas the older generations tend to think like they're doing something right because it's big and because they've grown it to that level. Um, in terms of aesthetics and coolness factor, I remember uh, I was talking to Savannah the other day and watched a music video from Elevation Church, uh, Stephen Furtick's church out, out east, and and. I just commented to her after watching the music video. I'm like, everybody's so hot. Yeah. Like everybody on stage is yeah. just like model yeah. level hot. And <laughs> Stephen Furtick is obviously a good looking guy yeah. and he's super cool. Right. And it's a massive church. There's something to that. There's something to the why, why the people on stage are all just aesthetically pleasing. It's a, it looks good. The people, the environment, the backdrop, the lights, the smoke, everything. Like it's aesthetically pleasing and it's a, it's attractive. And it's it's about more than attractive. There's a there's a whole strategy in churches around this, which is basically we need to show people ourselves and present ourselves as people who they want to be like. And if they want to be like us, they will listen to us. And then we can point them to Jesus. Um, and in so many cases that the first part works. Right. You can go to a lot of churches where it's it's pretty clear, like oh the the youth pastor and or the whatever pastor and like how they present that pastor or that couple. It's about making people see them and say, "I want that. I want that life," mm-hmm. you know. And we that we all present ourselves on Instagram that way, right? It's like right. I'm gonna pre- I'm not gonna present the like the boring parts of my life or the or the bad parts of my life. I'm gonna present the parts that make other people jealous, right? And for so many pastors, that's their life all the time. They are, they're projecting all the time. And they're actually being asked to project both by, both by their bosses and by their congregation. Project mm-hmm. what we want to see and what we want to follow. And we want to follow it not because, not because it's, it's the truth of who Jesus is, but it's because I wish my life was more like that, right? Yep. And, the, and, and it's, it's wild that that's a part of the church and not to get all like, discernment ministry on us and stuff but like (laughs) jesus did say you know be aware of wolves in sheep's clothing and that uh people will present themselves in a way that we give them undue influence in our lives or we want to be like them but we what we should be doing is looking at their fruit and looking at the character in their life which in a celebrity age and celebrity culture you you can't tell the fruit of somebody's life just by watching a youtube video about them um you see the fruit in somebody's life over years spent living among them and, and seeing if they are being genuine and are people of integrity. And it's impossible to do from a distance. Um, you can, I mean, I can go through however many Christian leaders have fallen over the last few years. And from a distance, they look like they have it all put together. They're people of integrity. And then you hear about some crazy scandal that comes out that they haven't been living. Their character is all off. 
you can't tell from a distance, but up close, when you're getting to know someone's character, you, you can usually see it. Yeah, and there's some, you talk about Christian celebrities, celebrity pastors, some of that stuff. There's some really gross <laughs> stories right. um, that come out from those cultures. It's a common way that churches are built. Churches are built around, basically, and here's what's sad about it, is the the reality for a lot of a lot of people in the church today is we don't our identity is misplaced. We don't have an identity that's in Christ and mm-hmm. in this foundational identity that is in Christ. We don't have that. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know who we are, but we do have money. And that makes us that makes us easy targets um for for this influence racket idea. And it's it's not just in churches, it's not it's it's church, but it's also like parachurch Christian folks, and then it's obviously in the secular world as well. But um it's really sad how common it is in the church. Because at the end of the day, I think what a lot of people know is look, I can't if I simply preach Jesus here, I'm not gonna there's I've got to offer a lot more than that. That I'm not going to be able to build a following that way. I'm not going to be, be able to create a worldwide movement that way. I'm just not. And that is that is the kind of question that people ask when they hire a pastor. Is this the kind of person who can create a movement? And um, I don't think pastors are called to create movements necessarily. I think sometimes movements happen um, that are good. Mm-hmm. But we have completely bought into this idea in a lot of cases that I, I if I'm going to follow someone, I actually need to envy them. If I'm going to follow someone, actually, I need to like want what they have or whatever. So then we're we're okay with uh, with pastors who live in massive eight million dollar mansions because it's like, well, what's wrong with that? I want that, and it's like, well, yeah, but that's you know, right. um, and but this mis this misplaced identity thing is really at the core of it. So I mean, we could we could harp on Instagram all day, we could harp on uh, megachurch pastors, whatever it is, but at the heart of the issue isn't that. The heart of the issue is. In a lot of cases, Christians, the people in our churches, don't really know. We don't really know who we are. Mm-hmm. We don't really know who we are. We don't know who God says that we are, and we don't care most about who God says we are. Rather, we are looking to uh, fill these holes in our identity somewhere else. Yeah, what you said about having misplaced identity and a lot of money makes us an easy target. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think uh, I heard Sky Chitani talking about it. The how the church he calls he calls it the even evangelical industrial complex. That's man, if you if you become an influencer in the evangelical scene, uh, evangelicals buy a lot of books, a lot of books. They buy a lot of uh, small group devotional content. <laughs> it's 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 pretty easy to make your way mm-hmm. in in that evangelical industrial and complex. Albums and every yeah. music. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super easy to do that. Um, and like you were saying, I think it comes back to our identity that we have to know who we are and live like it. Um, and that's where it starts is, is us developing contentment by knowing who we are so that we can look at a person's character, look at the fruit of their life and, and look for the fruit of the spirit and be comfortable following somebody like that who maybe hasn't built a massive following, who we're not attaching our identity to who are not trying to become like instead. We're, we're just simply trying to become like Jesus together in community because the teaching of the New Testament is obviously we're, we're all going to have these different gifts. We're going to have these different uh, 
different strengths. Uh, some have weaknesses, some have strengths that are complementary and working together. And if we're all trying to be like the same person, where does that get the church? It's supposed to be us working together amidst our differences to create this beautiful picture of community that represents Christ. Yeah, and if we keep if we keep building as the Christian church, if we keep building our identity on our leaders, we're gonna con- we're gonna keep shrinking right. and we're gonna keep dying. Yeah, because they aren't um, they're not up for that. Right, Leaders they're not fail. up for being uh, the foundation of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, only Christ is up for that, and that is what we have to find our way back to. Um, and so this this identity thing, I mean, we, identity is so foundational to how we engage with our world. You talk about politics, identity, politics, racial identity. Um, so many of the things we engage with comes down to our own identity. Do we know who we are? Are we secure in who we are? Um, and when we're not, we, we can act out in anger. We can act out in fear. We can act out um, in, uh, out of that insecurity. We can, you know, follow an influencer. Her life seems perfect. Everything is Everything is great. And now... I'm taking all of her views on other things that she maybe knows nothing about mm-hmm. healthcare. Right. <laughs> now, you know, it's like, I liked her farmhouse table and now mm-hmm. I'm listening to her views on healthcare. How did that happen? Why am I doing <laughs> right. it's because it's because we don't know who we are mm-hmm. and, and we have to get back to, uh, who does God say that I am and who am I in Christ? How do I walk that out? And how do I, how do I pursue wisdom and how do I engage with, with my world? from that foundational place. And um, I think a lot of this stuff, if we can, if we can get that identity piece, right. I think a lot of this other stuff, I don't, I mean, I'm not like anti Instagram. I'm not anti social media. A lot of those phenomenons are just symptoms of the core problem, which is we have an identity. Mm -hmm. We have an identity problem. And so I, our goal with this, not to rant, um, not to rant on on celebrity pastors. There's some famous pastors, famous pastors that, that I really respect. Um, it's not to uh, to come down. If you like using Instagram or if you follow some mom blogger ladies or whatever it is, that's fine. It's not the end of the world. But be aware of where you're allowing influence and why. The last thing I'd say is I think we tell ourselves in a lot of cases that we can take in a lot of this content as entertainment, but it's not going to influence us. Mm-hmm. I know people who who watch political stuff listen to political stuff, whatever. And they're like, yeah, it's just entertaining. But I actually do hear you spouting back a lot of that same rhetoric Mm -hmm. and you actually believe it, right? Right. Um, These things do affect your identity. They affect how you view the world. They affect how you engage with the world. And we need to be aware of that. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. It affects us and it affects who, who we are becoming. I think we should have a sense of urgency about what are we listening to? Like if you look at your podcast feed right now, Totally fine to have some entertainment stuff in there, a couple guilty pleasures, whatever you want to call them. But like, there should be a healthy balance in there of also things that are specifically and intentionally building up truth in your life. And if that's not in there, then it should be. Right. And if you want more of that stuff, reach out. We would love to point you at, at some stuff that we really trust and we really like. Yeah, and we can we can point the finger at the influencers all day um, and kind of blame them for this, but. But I tend to point the finger more back at me when we talk about these hundred percent these things because I'm buying their content. So there's a there's there's going to be if there's a void, it's going to get filled, or if there's a market, it's going to be monetized, right? If if I'm listening to this content, if I'm if I'm consuming it, then it's going to be monetized, and they're going to continue making more of that. Um, 
I, I heard a, I read a tweet yesterday, which again, right, tweet <laughs> from, an, from another influencer. I forget who it was, but oh, it was Ed Stetzer. He said, whoever's, whoever's buying car insurance, please stop. Not just car insurance, but that second hand, like your vehicle warranty is expired, right? Oh yeah, the warranty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all had that ridiculous phone call a hundred times. If right? nobody bought it, they wouldn't call. Yeah. If nobody's buying this, they're going to stop calling. Right. So that kind of speaks to the issue. Like if nobody's consuming this content, they're going to stop producing it. Yeah. Or it's going to shift and it's going to look different for what the market is willing to bear. So... I think we need to just be wise consumers of information. And, and like you're saying, consider how, how we're being influenced. If it is an identity crisis thing, if we are trying to be like them, so we're consuming that information. Or if we're consuming it because we think it's true and we think it's good content. Um, and just be aware of how much that is influencing us over and against the influence that people in our life who have invested in us and who we can see the fruit of their life how much influence do they have in our lives? Ultimately, are they making us more like Jesus? This is where, again, coming back to scripture, knowing truth is so vitally important. Is the influence that they're having in my life making me look more like Jesus? It always comes back to him. It always comes back to character, the truth of scripture, and what he said. And if if we find that the influencers in our lives are not moving us to be more like Christ, then perhaps they should have less influence in our life. And we should give more influence to others. Yeah, don't just blame the famous people, right? right? right. Joel Osteen wouldn't have written his fourth book that was like his first three books right. if the first three hadn't sold, right? Instead of just being like, yeah, it's crazy that there's these famous people that are taking advantage of us. No, we are the market force. And by the way, this is not a new phenomenon. We're talking about it in our context, but you can go all the way back to Paul's letter to Timothy and he's talking, you know, there's that famous verse that most people know about the love of money being the root of all kinds of evil. That's what comes right before that as a warning about false teachers. And he's talking about uh, false teachers who, who rob people of the truth and convince people that godliness is a means to financial gain. Yep. So it starts with a warning about the same stuff that we're talking about right now. Yeah, dude, this is so powerful. It has a lot to say to our present situation. Um, he's talking about teachers who teach a different doctrine than his. And he says this beginning in First Timothy 6, verse 4. Verse uh, four, he has an unhealthy craving for controversy and he quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I think that verse has so much to say to our current situation. Envy, what we were talking about before, and how godliness with contentment, uh, contentment, being content with what you have and being content with who you are and who God's created you to be instead of envying those who are teaching perhaps a different gospel. Dissension, (laughs) slander, evil suspicions or conspiracy theories, friction among people, that's what... Paul is warning them about false teachers who promote those types of ideas and that type of relational tension instead of, as I was saying before, the way of Jesus. So if you're listening to people who are producing things like envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, constant friction in your heart and in your soul, perhaps 
uh, you shouldn't be giving them the influence that you are because those are not the ways of Jesus. Things like love, uh, blessing those who curse you, turning the other cheek, loving your enemy. Those, those are the ways of Jesus. So as we reflect on, on our character and on what type of influence we're giving people in our lives, if it's producing those things and not the ways of Jesus, we, we need to be really careful and take a step back and consider how much influence we're allowing them to have in our lives. Yeah, and then in 2 Timothy, Paul again, he's warning Timothy about the fact that people surround themselves with teachers who say what they want to hear. He talks about people having itching ears, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people think this was the last remarks in his last letter, and this is what he's warning against. So this was no small issue, and that makes sense because we know how human beings work, and we right. understand why it would have been an issue then and why it is still now. But if we want it to not be an issue more, if we want it to change, then we have to take some responsibility. Mm -hmm. We have to take responsibility for the reasons that these things are in place and say, okay, if if this phenomenon is going to change, if we're going to stop having um, Instagram influencers for pastors, basically, if that's going to stop happening, it's going to be because the market shifted. And how does the market shift? It's if the church shifts. If we say, we are going to do things differently now, we're going to value different things, we're not going to give undue influence to people who actually have no actual connection to our lives. The people with the most influence in my life should be people who I actually see in person and know. Yeah, man, I second that. My my friend Luke, he's he's been my best friend since like kindergarten, I think. And the beauty of that relationship is like, he's not impressed, right? He, he knows everything about me. He's seen me at my best. He's seen me at my worst. And, and I know pretty much everything about him too. I've seen him at his best, seen him at his worst. Heck, we roomed together in college. So we lived together for four years. Um, and we're not impressed with each other. But I've also seen his character and know who he is in a good way. So when he, when he mentions something that he's seeing in my life, I take that very seriously because I know that he knows me and because I can trust him and because I've seen his character. And so he has a much stronger influence in my life than those who don't know me as well and those who I, I frankly don't know their character because I haven't seen them. I haven't had the opportunity to know them, know, know them by their fruit like I know him by his. I think about my friend Seth. Seth is my best friend. He goes to our church. If you haven't met him, he is not uh, super eloquent. He is not a theologian. He would not do well on Instagram, but he is someone who has been there with me for a long time. And what I know about Seth is he has absolutely no reason to tell me what I want to hear. He has um, no ulterior motive. He has no desire to prop me up or to let me believe things that aren't true about myself or about um, what's going on in the world or about God or anything else. He wants me to be grounded in truth. He wants me to be uh, in step with God's will. And so I take his, his words and, I, and, and his advice um, very seriously, not because I always agree with him, but because I know what his intentions are. And I think we can all gain a lot by simply starting there. What people in my life have no desire and nothing to gain from telling me what I want to hear. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another episode soon.